Welcome to Star Trek Comic Book Review. Our several-year mission will be to boldly go where no podcast has gone before. We will be reviewing every Star Trek comic book ever published. These stories have been released by Gold Key, Marvel, DC, Malibu, Wildstorm, Tokyo Press, IDW, and others. Star Trek and all that the Star Trek universe contains is copyrighted by CBS Studios, Inc. Hello and welcome to Star Trek Comic Book Review with Donovan and Ken. Episode 355, recorded December 19th, 2021. So today's not a comic book review, but a book review. Indeed. So we're doing Star Trek Coda 1, Moments Asunder, uh, by Dayton Ward, uh, which is uh, a novel that came out in 2021 that is the first of a trilogy that's wrapping up what is called the relaunch era of Star Trek Expanded Universe. Right. So it's a trilogy, three books, and it's kind of a nice little homage to all the post-Nemesis novels that have been written by many people. And uh, so this is going to kind of reset fans' minds for the Picard right. era? Is that it? Yeah. Yep. So uh, so basically, as far as uh, Star Trek Expanded Universe goes, um, the way I think of it is that there is five reboots or um, Expanded Universe resets that they've had in the past. So the first one was all the books that came out during the time of the next uh, original series up to the next generation. So, uh, you know, there was, there was some old books that came out, you know, in the sixties and seventies. Uh, and then there was also the, you know, Peter Pan books and stuff like that, that came out in the seventies kind of based on the animated show. So that's kind of like, I, I count that as original expanded universe timeline. And then there was uh, pocket books started doing all the numbered books based in the original series, next generation, mm-hmm. deep space nine and Voyager. Right. Uh, so there was like every month, each, each series came out with a book. So, I mean, it was just like a ton of expanded media and they were all kind of like one-off stories. Um, there was some really good ones. Uh, there was like some crossovers with, uh, you know, old Spock and old McCoy with, uh, Picard and stuff like that, which I really liked. Um, a lot of good books, but I consider that, you know, its own time, time frame. Uh, even though none of it really, it, it didn't really gel together. There was no like cohesive, like this is all in one, one universe. Right. Um, and then, uh, when enterprise, not enterprise, um, nemesis came out and enterprise came out, they made an, they made a conscious effort. They're going to like, we're going to relaunch all the books and we're going to kind of reset all the expanded universe novels into one cohesive universe. And so so going forward, they'd all check each other and not right okay. yeah and, and at the time wildstorm comics had the comic book rights to star trek and even they were in on it so there was some uh relaunch era comic books that were had characters and stuff that were introduced in the um relaunch deep space nine books and stuff like that you know so uh at the time it was supposed to be a system i mean a uh, you know industry-wide relaunch all set in the same universe kind of mirroring what lucasfilm was doing with the Star Wars, games, movies, TV shows, comic books, novels, they were all set in the same universe and all, you know, 
easily flowed into one another with characters, uh, you know, flowing in from the kids' books to the adult books to the video games. You know, it was all cohesive at the time. Uh, and so they they wanted to do the same thing with Star Trek, and that was what their relaunch was. Eventually, when IDW got the comic book rights, they kind of like, we're going to do our own thing, and, and, and they did. You know, so mm-hmm. as we've read all the IDW books, very few of them ever tied in with anything else that was introduced in in even the idw books they contradict themselves all the time right with <laughs> especially with the, the aegis and gary seven and stuff depending mm-hmm. on which book you read his backstory was completely different so anyway so that's the era that's gonna be uh replaced with what i call the paramount plus era which is all <laughs> the discovery and picard books and and i guess everything going forward after the coda books come out and then and then the other timeline is the Kelvin universe, which has had a lot of comic books and, uh, you know, maybe like, what, six books, mm-hmm. novels uh, set in the Kelvin universe. And, and that's it so far. So. Right. And I kind of feel like we may not get any more of that, which is sad. Yeah, it is too bad. I mean, I, we still have hopes of another movie, but who knows? Yeah, who knows? Yeah, when they started releasing those novels that uh, – you know uh, that they had written back when the uh, first movie came out, but they mm-hmm. put on hold because they didn't want to ever contradict anything the movies might come up with. Mm-hmm. So they like basically had three books written, ready to go, and then they're like, "All right, we're just going to hold off and see what JJ is going to do with the movies." And then once those books started getting released, I was like, "Oh, they're done. <laughs> <laughs> they're not planning on any more movies, so they don't care if it uh, if it contradicts anything going forward because uh, they're just trying to make their money back off of having these." Three books, books written. Completely written and just sitting there. <laughs> so so anyway, so yeah, so this is uh, a little bittersweet, this Coda book one, or the whole Coda thing altogether, because it's, you know, I really like Expanded Universe stuff, and the fact that we've had, you know, 21 years of all the Star Trek novels being in a shared uh, universe, uh, it's a little sad to see it go away, but, uh, you know... We talked about it a lot when Picard first came out, where it's just like, oh, they're con- they're contradicting everything. Yeah. Well, everything. I'm not everything, but it a lot. <laughs> yeah, quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, of course, some things they brought forward, like the idea of Kalis having a clone. Uh, well, that was from the TV show. Uh, okay. Good point. Good point. Yeah, I don't remember that episode, but yes, they brought that all up in the, um, the, the Kalis clone was definitely in some of the, uh, post-Nemesis novels and they brought it up again in the, uh, in the Picard novel that focused on Rios, Captain Rios. Right. So, yeah. And the Serena, La Serena. So, I've read the Picard books. I haven't read the newest, um, or I haven't read a few of the Discovery books, but I've read all the Picard ones. Mm-hmm. And uh, the only reference I can see that actually references events in in the novels is there's like a throwaway line in um, the uh, Riker one, the uh, the Last Best Hope, where they talk about when uh, the Titan first went out on its missions. It was a supposed to be this. Uh, melting pot of all these different species working together, mm-hmm. which is very in line with the Titan novels in the beginning, which had like, you know, had like fish people and 
Tuvok, and I mean, had every there was like Riker was like the only human, which was kind of cool at the time because we've never seen you know because of budgetary constraints and stuff. You, a lot of the crew is always human because that's the easiest you know sure. easiest uh, species or very human like right right <laughs> aliens you know. yeah yeah yeah. Well, I'm just talking about the the daily crew members, right? Because sure. I mean, nobody wants to go under makeup for hours at end uh, every single day. You know, looking for Michael Dorn. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so it was kind of cool that Titan did that, and and there's a reference in the Last Best Hope where Riker thinks back to when he first started the the Captain the Titan, and it was it was a, a cross species uh, endeavor. You know, and I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. But aside from that, I, I haven't caught any other references to uh, the novels. Mm-hmm. You know, Picard definitely doesn't have a son in the Picard. No, feed, so. no. Plenty of differences. Right. And he's never been married to Crusher, Dr. Crusher. So. And Data never came back to life. <sighs> Aww. <laughs> um, yeah, so, so the end of the first of the three Coda books, Moments Asunder, which we're going to talk about today. Uh, they have a big long what afterward? I mean, well, whatever. Right by uh, by Dayton Ward, where he's just kind of talking about exactly the where they where their mindset was when they came up with this trilogy. Exactly. So when <laughs> so so in the afterward, he says something about uh, Dayton Ward being in contact, partial contact with. Um, What's the, what's that uh, lady? Christian uh, uh, Bayer. There, her. Okay. Yeah. Being in contact with her, and he's kind of being fed some info about the uh, upcoming Picard series. That's gonna kind of upend things a bit, right? <laughs> and it's not they're not they the Picard series is not planning to stay in uh, continuity with any of the books, expanded universe books. So, right. <clears throat> so that got Dayton Ward. To thinking, well, what's going to happen to uh, to our books and uh, everything we've written before, and la 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 la. So, apparently, he got together with James Swallow and David Mack, and uh, and they kind of said, well, you know, if we're going to go out, let's go out on our own terms, and uh, let's let's do a story here to kind of hopefully explain how things kind of reset things for the uh, what we see in the Picard universe, or what, yeah. what are you calling it? What did you call uh, it? I call it the Paramount Plus. The Paramount Plus universe, which is probably more <laughs> appropriate. There you go. I'm sure there's going to be an official name for it. But, right. Uh, so they all got they got together and they 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 worked up a premise and and they split things up and they proposed they pitched a, a trilogy, I guess, to the publishers and uh, they bid on it and uh, we have this at least something that's trying to acknowledge the books and uh, a little homage and kind of give a reason why things are now different. Right. So at least they're doing something. And I, I am loving it. I've only yeah. read the first book and I absolutely love it. Um, and even in that afterward, uh, uh, Dayton Ward talks about how Lucasfilm handled or how Disney handled mm-hmm. Star Wars rebooting right. itself. And basically he's like, we didn't want to do what they did, which is just, you know, draw a line in the sand and say everything published before this date doesn't count anymore. You know, <laughs> right? So everybody forget about all that. Right. All yeah. those characters you were invested in, just just forget about it. Yeah. All you know, thirty something years worth of uh, you know. I was a hardcore Star Wars man. I, I I was like, I've read every single Star Wars book. You know that I was that yeah. guy. 
You were the guy pushing back his glasses, and, and then that, that then to be told, "Oh, none of that counts anymore," and you're just yeah. like, oh, "What do you mean?" Yeah, you know. <laughs> Whereas with Star Trek, because of the whole, it had been rebooted a few times, and you know those that first set of novels never really gelled together. I mean, they they were all set in Star Trek universe, but as as the TV shows kept going and they changed things, then, you know, some of the stuff in the novels wouldn't make sense anymore, you know, uh, because the TV show itself contradicted the novel, you know. So um, I never had that feeling that, you know, so when they did the relaunch, I was like, oh, this is good. You know, this is, now it's going to be like Star Wars. Uh, but unfortunately, I only read like maybe the first handful of books and then I kind of quit following it so much, probably because we started reading the comic books and I was like, you know, every week I was reading all these comic books of Star Trek that I never really had time to, to you know, my Star Trek quota for the week was 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 met with reading the comic books, so I didn't have mm-hmm. a chance to go back and read the books like I, I would have if we weren't doing the podcast and reading all right. the comics. Right. So the beginning of the relaunch, I'm pretty familiar with the uh, the later stuff. It's it's I'm I'm getting it. You know, as they feed it to me in the, in these books, where they're like, "Oh yeah," and this happened in a previous book. I'm like, "Oh well, that sounds interesting." You know, <laughs> well, it's kind of spoilery. Sure, <laughs> absolutely. So they got that huge uh, forward where you know previously on Star Trek, you know, they like you say they mention all these different events that happened in all these other expanded universe books and characters. Um, that show up in these book in in, in the Coda books, um, right. and it boy they're going over a lot of stuff I never heard of before. Some things I've heard of before, some things I've actually read, but a lot of stuff I've never heard of before, and characters I've never heard of before. So it's really great hearing all this before you start reading the book because these characters are in this book, but it's like oh my gosh, all those books I never read—they're just getting spoiled all over the place. Sure. Which, but you know, like, if, you're in, if you're ending the universe, you're, you're going to, you know, you're going to get spoiled. <laughs> yeah, and that's fine. It's like I, reading I, the last chapter of a book. Oh. Yeah. I guess I, guess I know that, uh, you know, Janeway didn't make it, and then she came back. And sure. She... <laughs> and things like this used to happen in the comic books all the time. I mean, right. I'd pick up a book. I mean, if, if I wasn't reading every issue of Spider-Man... And then I jump back into it again, and I pick up, you know, I pick up a few issues. Then a lot of times they would refer to an older issue, and it's like, oh, right, oh, yeah, oh, okay. They, they would give you like a one sentence about what happened, and then mm-hmm. there would be a little asterisk that said, "Go back and find Spider-Man number seventy-two for exactly. more information." You, yeah, you better go and buy that. <laughs> <laughs> Always, Which as a kid, I was doing it. I was like, oh, exactly. Oh, I, I got to get that one, Mom. I got to go to the comic book store. <laughs> I got to get 72. There you go. Yeah, no, I, I, that's why it doesn't really bother me that much to read these last three books. Uh, and, uh, you know, right after I finished Moments of Sunder, I did go back and read or started to read uh, Headlong Flight, which mm-hmm. which was a, another Dayton Ward book from a few years earlier, uh, because events in that are really referenced in this book. So I was mm-hmm. just like, eh, I'll go back and uh, read that one and find out, you know, where those guys came from. So. It, yeah. it, it's it's it ruined it because I know how it's going to end, but but you got more detail. But now I'm going to go story. back and and still enjoy the story itself that it came from. Right, and you're getting a lot more detail. I mean, it, it's almost like cliff notes in here, but now you're getting a lot more story behind right. the high level events that you hear about in this book. 
Exactly. There you go. Cool. So speaking of this book, should we just uh, do a high-level synopsis and then kind of talk about it? Sure, Donovan. Let's do that. Yes. So um, I listened to the audio, Audible book. Um, it's faster that way. I love the actors. Robert Petkoff does a wonderful job narrating these books. So I didn't read it. So I did cheat, but uh, really enjoyed uh, the audiobooks. So uh, Dayton Ward wrote it. Robert Petkoff narrated it. It's part of, I guess it's part of the Star Trek Next Generation. But, I mean, this thing is using characters from, from all the different, uh, uh, different spinoffs. Um, length is about 11 hours, 52 minutes. And they released that audiobook uh, September 28th, 2021. And here, okay, so here's a quick synopsis. So I, uh, I got some help from Donovan, uh, some details and things that I, I didn't have all the details right. Uh, so, but here is a, a 10 bullet point list of what goes on in here. And, and let me just really quick just say that the, the summary that they have at Audible for this book is... The crews of Jean-Luc Picard, Benjamin Sisko, Esri Dax, and William Riker unite to prevent a cosmic-level apocalypse, only to find that some fates really are inevitable. Ooh, ooh, there's, there's one sentence. So, you know, we're getting a lot of, uh, of characters in here. So for this particular book, here are some high-level bullet points. I'm not covering everything, not by a long shot. There's tons of things going on in this book, but these are the things that kind of really... Str- you know, jumped out at me and Donovan feel uh, more than welcome to uh, jump in if there's something really important that I might have missed. Okay, so a strange and powerful threat presents itself across time and across the multiverse to destroy life on a scale previously not seen. In the past and future, Wesley Crusher, Crusher is pursued by this new threat that has the power to utterly destroy the Guardian of Forever. Recognizing the danger of this new threat, Wesley uses his powers as a traveler to launch a decades-long mission to learn all he can about the threat so he can find a way to defeat them. In the future 29th century, the Starfleet temporal ship Relativity, under the command of Captain Duquesne, is contacted in a most unusual way by Admiral Jules Crevasse aboard sister time ship The Tempest. The Tempest is destroyed by this threat, uh, which we'll find out the names of eventually. Uh, followed by the three more well, followed by three more Wells-class timeships: the Haddox, the Mobius, and the Crichton. Um, I assume the Crichton was named after author Michael Crichton, who wrote the novel Timeline, maybe. And of course, these are all Wells-class ships, so that's obviously H.G. Um, uh, Wells. Uh, right in the time machine. Um, okay, Commander Worf is offered the captaincy of the Prometheus. The Prometheus, cool. But pulls a Riker with his hesitancy to take to the center seat. Prime Universe's Captain Riker of the Titan dreams an all-too-realistic dream. In it, an alternate dimension version of the Enterprise D with Captain Riker in the center seat takes on the Borg attack depicted in the first contact film, but without Captain Picard's aid. After dispatching the Borg cube using advanced 
transphasic torpedoes given to them by the Prime Dimensions Picard um, in the recent past, they are totally overcome by the, uh, by the threat. Which again, they don't know. They, this alternate dimension, Riker has no idea who these people are or who, who is attacking them. But they are wiped out utterly. Um, our prime universe Riker wakes up and is kind of freaked out about this. And he does have a few dreams about these events as the uh, novel unfolds. A very old Wesley Crusher makes his way to the planetary star, ba- star base that his mother, stepfather, and young brother are currently on. He Soon after he arrives, he dies. But not long after his death, a middle-aged version of Wesley Crusher arrives and tries to learn all he can from his deceased version about the temporal slash multidimensional attackers. A device called the Omicron is extremely useful to younger Wesley as it contains recorded information from his older self and has other amazing capabilities. So the Omicron, very handy. It's like a very advanced tricorder, but, but more. The Enterprise-E travels to Davidia 2 because they think the Davidians are likely the people that are behind all of these attacks. Uh, and, of course, Picard on the Enterprise-E doesn't necessarily know about all these things going on yet, but he knows about some of them. And definitely he knows about things through, uh, through Wesley coming on the scene. So they, they think uh, the Davidians, who you will remember in the Next Gen uh, 2 episode um, uh, called Time's Arrow, that's the one where they find <laughs> Data's head and then end up back in old San Francisco in the 1800s where they find a race called the Davidians were preying on dying humans uh, and basically taking sustenance from their, the fear, their fear of dying. So these, peop- these, these Davidians who are living in a uh, slightly alternate um, phase from our own um, are able to suck, off, suck on fear. It lives, they live on fear and, and, and bad things like that. Okay, so when they get to Davidia 2, um, they find out that uh, they are no longer there. Uh, so they have uh, taken off for some place in time where they feel safe to carry out all their plans to satiate their infinite hunger, no matter how many realities must be destroyed. Um, the big finale conflict happens when Picard, Wesley, and a few more Enterprise E crew join Captain Ezri Dax on the Aventine. Wesley leverages the Aventine's slipstream drive to take the ship and crew into the very far future. I don't remember the, the exact number, but it's like 4,000 years or something. Where they find and eventually take down a Davidian life force power hub. A very big powerful, sophisticated thing of which they theorize there are many such hubs in existence. Before they can accomplish um, taking down this hub, uh, they lose a significant portion of the crew, including Captain Dax. Oh no! A real a, a character we know about uh, from the original uh, TV series uh, that, that happened. Uh, Rene Picard, as part of that uh, 
that fight is aged up from about six years old to, to 19 by a brush with uh, a Davidian minion, one of their minions. Dr. Crusher does all she can to return the boy to his correct age. Uh, she reaches out to Dr. Pulaski, who does have some experience in being artificially aged and then returning back to youth. By the end of this book, Wesley Picard and the Enterprise E and Eventine crews know the huge threat the Davidians pose to the multiverse and eventually their own reality. However, can they convince the Federation and the other Milky Way galaxy powers to take the threat seriously and do what is necessary to end the Davidian threat? Even if it means sacrificing themselves? Okay, that's it. That's my awkward summary. What did I, what did I miss? What, what other really good juicy things should we mention? Um, I don't know. You, you, you did a lot of... You, you, you hit all the big points. Okay. Um, so, I mean, I don't really have anything to add to your, to your synopsis as a whole. But, uh, I mean, but uh, I didn't hear you say the Guardian of Forever was destroyed. That was, that was kind of how we were introduced to these... Right. Uh, these snake-like creatures, and what ultimately was uh, the main protagonist, which is this uh, uh, hooded uh, humanoid guy, which which towards the end we find out is just a uh, uh, you know basically a, a proxy life form for the Davidians who like are an avatar, in, yeah, an avatar as they uh, stay safe in their other universe or right. phase universe. So it seems like the Davidians were able to a Davidian was able to actually like remotely inhabit these avatars or something. Yeah. I don't, I, I'm hoping that they're going to explain that more in the later books, but right. yeah, that, that's what they, that's what they were thinking at the, at, at the end of this book. Right. Cause he says that, you know, cause they're like, are, are you a Davidian? You know, cause they're, he didn't look like the Davidians they saw in exactly. time. Zero, and he's like, I'm as Davidian as, as they come, you know? And then he kind of said, um, you know, that he's, he's just an, an avatar, you know, basically a, a construct that's mm-hmm. so that they can do their th- their things. But but yeah, but basically their their main attack is generating these like time snake type things that are you know can come in all sizes, mm-hmm. and they basically destroy anything that has to do with time travel because that's what they feed off of. Because anytime there's a time travel event, you've basically created another timeline. And they basically prune that timeline and feed off of all of its all the possibilities. People, all yeah. the sentient beings that are being wiped out. Right. Which, you know, for whatever reason, that seems to be a very common common thing here lately. Because, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know how into Doctor Who you are. But uh, that's that's kind of the MO for the Weeping Angels is that they send you back in time and then they feed off of the displaced uh, time you're basically your, your life force that's now going to live through time you know uh, in a different century or whatever this displaced timeline for oh, wow. you is what they feed off of I I, uh, I knew they I knew this season uh, the Weeping Angels came back but I did not I have not seen any of the episodes so interesting yeah I haven't seen any of the, the newer episodes with the Weeping Angels but I'm basing it all on the, the older stuff with the, the Matt Smith and the uh, David Tennant stuff where they really oh did did they find that out yeah yeah that yeah. they sent him back in time yeah yeah the David Tennant one he explained it all that you know they they oh, kill they okay. kill you with kindness because basically they send you back in time and you live a you know a long normal life but 
because you're displaced in time, that's that's what they feed off of. So you know, it's not like they just kill you outright, but they they uh, they basically feed off of your displaced timeline. Okay, but you live you live your own life, right? Wherever they put just, you. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, oh, hundred well. years in the past or whatever, wherever they end up send you in the past is okay. Is, well, that's better so, than the, than just hanging you upside down as you live the, the next forty years. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and they somehow feed off of you all that time. Okay. Right. Or, or like what these guys are doing, which which uh, these guys really remind me of uh, Kang from the new Loki uh, TV series, where that's kind of what, what he's doing as well. Wait, hold on. Okay. He, Kang feeds off the fear of he's sentient beings? He's not feeding off of it, but he's pruning these timelines. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, he's messing. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. So yeah, I so basically you. he's you know he like the Davidians recognize that there's a new timeline being generated and mm-hmm. and he will prune it so that it won't go any further and then and that's kind of what uh, these guys are doing okay. and, and and as for, they get stronger, but for different reasons different reasons yeah. but okay. the end result's the same is that the whole universe is is gone that timeline that timeline yeah yep yeah which Can... I. I loved that they that they at least referenced how often there's time travel in Star Trek without any real repercussions, and yeah. you know here we are. Oh, maybe there are repercussions. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and these Davidians. I mean, it's like I, I did not remember the very end of Times Arrow how they how they dealt with the Davidians, but the idea that they were kind of like, I mean, they were a threat, but they were an isolated threat. They were small time, right. Uh, in 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 that two part TV series episode, but oh, they've gone big time now in this book, right? Yeah, so they've they've basically been biding their time by eating all these like small little deviations, and now mm-hmm. they're finally coming after what I call the the relaunch universe. Mm-hmm. I've stopped calling it the Prime Universe just because now Picard and Discovery that's that's the Prime line, that's the the live action line is mm-hmm. the Prime line, and then. This is now what I'm calling the relaunch timeline, mm-hmm. and uh, you know now that they're stronger, they can go after the you know the more uh, what, established. It, what would you say? yeah more established or more uh, timelines uh, uh, yeah defined I guess mm-hmm. I don't know so yeah uh, it's, it, but I mean it's something that you know in the comic book world they've done before like in the 80s DC Comics did the crisis on multiple earths where they mm-hmm. basically took all their because they had like thousands not thousands but dozens of uh alternate universes you know mm-hmm. where we're telling different stories about superman and batman and all these other ones and combined it all into one universe mm-hmm. uh so it's been done before and uh i don't i mean i'm not faulting this I, in fact i think they they're doing it better, maybe better here than they did in dc universe uh, we'll have to see but uh, I'm, I'm digging it a lot yeah well it's really <laughs> ideas are reused all the time and then as building blocks for a story and if you take if you take the story there are some of these building blocks and make an even bigger grander story great right great yeah so the these davidians are really nasty and their modus operandi as we see is they come in with these big huge minions serpent kind of minions as donovan mentioned 
attack the ships, break through the shields, and then smaller versions or, again, smaller like serpent kind of guys go in. And then there's other guys that kind of look like, um, these are the Avatar kind of guys that look like, um, I don't know, they've got black hoods on. Were the Dementors? In yeah, Harry Potter? right. That's the that's the way I was kind of picturing them okay. from Harry Potter. Right. So they kind of sound like like those guys, the Dementors, and uh, and they're kind of like the quarterbacks, <laughs> calling the shots. Um, but when these serpents uh, touch you, they're basically uh, immediately aging you, like like a thousand years, and then you turn to dust. Right and, uh, and in that process, that death, that instant aging, which, by the way, reminds me an awful lot of um, Stargate, Atlantis, where they dealt with the wraiths, who, as a species, would grab sentient humanoid beings and, and like stick their stuckers, suckers in your chest and then you know, age you and suck your life force out of you. Mm. So uh, this was kind of like that. Um, anyway, so they kill you real good, and then they suck your, your fear or whatever, and, uh, and, and they're able to take all this and, and apparently store it somehow in these huge hubs or something. Anyway, it's whacked. Right. Yeah, w- which is very fitting with the Time Zero, because, I mean, in Time Zero, the, they had a staff that, mm-hmm. would, that would, would turn into a snake-type thing, so... Uh, I thought it was. I, I wasn't thinking Davidians when at the beginning of the book, even mm-hmm. though they were describing these time snake things. I, I was not thinking of that story. But as, as soon as they said Davidia too, I was like, "Oh my goodness, <laughs> <laughs> time zero. Yeah, I was like, "Of course it is, duh." <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and I love uh, I love how much uh, you know. You know, I obviously I haven't read a lot of Dayton Ward's books, but mm-hmm. I mean, obviously he he really knows the Star Trek stuff because oh, he's yeah. like, you know, he mentions the Pulaski knows something about yeah. uh, you know de aging. Season uh, two you know, of uh, Next Gen. Talk about Picard. Uh, also has been de aged and re aged in the mm. past, and I was just like, oh, that's that's really cool that they just throw that in as a like a throwaway line that right. where he's like, yeah, I know it's been done before. <laughs> you know, so go ahead and I'm shut up Donovan, it. because okay. I know it's been done before and now I'm going to explain why that wouldn't work here and, <laughs> you know, and I'm like yes I'm going to shut up you know what you're talking about <laughs> <sighs> but um, but no I um, one, of, one of the things that I thought was a little weird if I, if I may uh, it, it's not really a nitpick but it's kind of like you've already done this before mm-hmm um, in the novel Death in Winter, which is the first of the post-Nemesis novels, um, mm-hmm. Worf is offered the promotion to uh, first officer. Hmm. And there's a scene very similar to that where Picard, you know, pretends like he's calling in Worf for a reprimand or whatever. And the whole time he's going to spring this knowledge on him that he wants him to be the, the commander. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I thought it was a little weird that he did the exact same thing here. I mean, if knowing how Worf did not take that uh, that <laughs> that interaction and, and death death and winter, he did not go well, and he turned it down. He he was like, I, I don't want to be in Starfleet, you know, basically. Uh, so I mean, 
the fact that it went so poorly, you know, in that novel, and then here he is kind of like doing the same thing and even talking about how he's like trying so hard to hold in a smirk and all that stuff while he's, uh, you know, giving Worf the fake reason why he brought him in there in front of everybody and did it in front of everybody this time, which I thought was a little weird. That, uh, mm-hmm. uh, and, and, you know, it's not like he's like offering him a position under him he's not like i want you to be my first officer because he's already the first officer he's like i want i'm offering you a job somewhere else you know and make sure you tell me before you take any of my my people with you you know that kind of thing and and did it all in front of everybody it's just like oh that put him in an awkward situation well it did but it's like okay so i didn't read i didn't read that book um but so is that when Worf went off to become ambassador or something well it was after or... that so it was after nemesis so i mean nemesis he was back already you know okay. as a temporary thing um and then it was like you know he was planning on going back to chronos or whatever okay and and that's yeah, when picard, he had the first yeah, officer thing. that's when picard offered him the first officer okay. role okay so i mean this is a big honor right and yeah, the fact true. that um admiral uh leonard james Akar, i love that name uh, of that character um, is supporting it and everything because wasn't the whole thing like, ooh, Worf decided to screw a mission instead of and save Judsia? Right. Yeah. Right? And that, was, that was really heavy in that Death in Winter where he was right. talking about uh, that was why he didn't feel like he should be the first officer. Well, should be. It's like, I thought the whole point of that is that's why he supposedly will never have a command of his own. Because he would make a decision like that. I didn't think he was beating himself up over that decision. It was like others beat him up over that right. decision. Well, so he was he was beating himself over, and he didn't think he was he should be first officer because of that decision. Yeah, and also novel? and also in those uh, those there was a set of novels called a time four. Yeah, and there was like seven novels, and it was all like a time a time for a time for life, a time for birth. You know that mm-hmm. um, in those books. You know, it's set before Nemesis, so it's like he is the the ambassador to Kronos, but then okay. he uh, steps down and Alexander becomes the ambassador and mm-hmm. things like that. I mean, right. so it, this book, Death and Winter, kind of picked up after that where he was like, you know, I don't really fit in the the Klingon world and I don't really fit into the to the you know Starfleet structure anymore mm-hmm. either because of, you know, because I put Jedzia over the mission kind of thing. So... It was good. I really liked, you know, his point of view. And, and basically he had to, he got a vision from Jitzia that was telling him to, you know, get off his ass and, and do the, what he wants to do. You know, mm-hmm. who, who cares what anybody else says? Right. But, uh, but no, it was, it was, it was just that they'd done it before. And I was just like, yeah, I guess not everybody's read that book, but maybe I a lot not. of people have. Yeah. Okay. So that was kind of an interesting deja vu situation, right? For you, yeah. And then the other big one, if I if I can just go off of that, oh please. Um, there was the television episode uh, parallels, which had Worf jumping from oh, right. timeline to timeline, right? Yeah, which I really liked. Yeah, and then there was a novel uh, based in the relaunch universe uh, mm-hmm. called Q and A, where mm-hmm. Basically, we find out that Q had something to do with all these events in, in the next generation, including the the parallels episode that we didn't know about. 
And the reason why he was doing that is because he was basically preparing Picard for the end of the universe. And it and it, and it was very heavily into the multiverse. And in that in that Q and A, I mean, it basically ends with, or it, the big, the big third act thing is, all these um, different universes are merging, hmm. including all these different uh, enterprises and things like that. And and basically, Picard has to make a, a decision that would keep the all the universes from exploding, you know, or imploding, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know. It was just very reminiscent to what was going on here, where you would just like turn the page and then suddenly you were in a different universe, you know, that was kind of like the one we've seen before, but not, you know, very, very similar to Parallels and the Q&A novel. Mm -hmm. So, again, it was like, I like this, so I'm not going to complain, but it is like we've done this before. Um, But here it was at least, you know, here's another universe. Oh, and this is how that universe dies. You know, that kind of thing. Mm. So it was like the stakes were a lot higher in this mm-hmm. one. Whereas in Q and a and parallels, it was, you know, especially in Q and a, the potential of them all, all, uh, dying was there, but, but Picard was able to save them at the end. Whereas in this one, I don't know if they're, they're definitely not so lucky so far. No, no, they're, they're destroying all kinds of different dimensions. Right. Yeah. And, and, and not only current dimensions, but in the future. I mean, the whole, you know, the whole time ships getting taken out. That's like the 20, 29th century. Something like that. Right. So they're going across dimensions and time uh, to, to satiate their hunger. Right. Quite frightening. And again, I love how just the little details he puts in there, like mentioning the uh, wormhole that was in Voyager, that one mm-hmm. episode of Voyager where they were talking to a Romulan, you know, 30 years in the past. Oh, right. And just like, <clears throat> hey, could you pass a message to, you know, our loved ones after we're gone to let them know we are still alive and we're heading home. And, uh, you know, they mentioned it. Oh, yeah, that happened. And uh, the Davidians came to both ends of that timeline and destroyed it. So it's like... <laughs> Right. Yeah, so the Davidians are drawn to temporal events or temporal things, like the Guardian, uh, or that kind of thing, where there's a, a temporal bridge going on. And uh, eventually they seem to be able to uh, rain on people's parade even without that kind of temporal thing going on. But... Uh, those temporal landmarks seem to be the real thing that they uh, are able to uh, enter a dimension through. Right. I, I, I was really waiting for them to mention the whales. Ah, the whales? From Star, yeah, from Star Trek Two. Oh, yeah. I really okay. thought that that would... Uh, that is time travel. Come up. Yeah. But they did bring up the Aegis, which I was really mm-hmm. happy with. Yeah. Uh, but basically, they they said that, you know, the Aegis lost interest in humanity after first contact and stuff and haven't been heard of since the, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. Cochrane's time. So it's like, eh, that's not what IDW says. <laughs> <laughs> Kirk has lots of interactions with uh, the Aegis and Carrie Sen. Yeah. Well, and so many of the advanced races. So what about Q? I mean, 
I mean, is the Q continuum affected by these attacks on reality? Yeah, you would think so. Uh, you would think at the very least they would start getting involved in what's going on just from an interesting standpoint. Right. Uh, but I would think they could potentially be threatened by this too. Or the prophets. The, the, uh, wormhole yes, prophets. the wormhole they, they, the wormhole they get a lot of time travel too. Yep. And uh, spoiler alert, uh, the second novel, which I have begun, does have some uh, profit stuff going on. Right. So at yeah, least you... those, I don't, I don't know yet in that book, you know, to what level they're involved, but they are involved uh, to some degree in the right. second novel of this Coda trilogy. Yeah, I, I would... I would think that that would be the case, um, mainly from the covers, right? Mm-hmm. We didn't we didn't mention the cover, but in this cover, it's just the Enterprise E shooting out at the reader. Yes, uh, and it looked, it, it's a nice one. Yeah, no, it's super very nice. clean, very clean. And, and in the background, we see like a swirly, like blue Nexus looking thing behind it. Mm-hmm. And then the second book, you find out, oh, that it's a continuation of that same picture because you see that same blue swirly thing in the background. Mm-hmm. And uh, it shows Deep Space Nine and the Eventine. So I kind of figured, you know, maybe the next or, book would focus more on Deep Space Nine than, than this book did. That wasn't the Defiant? That was the Eventine? Uh, no, the Defiant's on the third book. Oh, the third book has Defiant. Yeah, the third book okay. has uh, uh, what looks like the Defiant, and but the Defiant's like going from a 3D model to like a blueprint sketch as if it's like being... Uh, deconstructed or being brought out of existence kind of thing, hmm. which which I thought was kind of cool. Hmm. So I'm curious to see how that goes. Yeah. I've seen all three covers, but I haven't really studied them yet. Right. Except for the first one. Right. Yeah, so so just look, when I first saw those three covers, I was like, oh, okay, so the first book going to be really heavily focused on Next Gen, and then the next book's going to be focused on Deep Space Nine, mm-hmm. and then maybe the third book's going to be like, and everything else you know this final push right but uh but yeah so i mean you mentioned the renee thing uh anybody who hasn't been reading the books uh in this universe crusher and picard are married and have a little boy named renee Mm -hmm. renee jack picard he has another name in there robert robert yeah so uh, Renee after the nephew, Robert after the brother, Picard's brother, Jack after uh, the first husband, and Picard's best friend. Names. Yeah, he has four names. So yeah, so <laughs> and then also um, Riker and Troy have a daughter named Tasha. Uh, what's the rest of her name? Do you remember? Riker. Well, I mean, what's her middle name? I don't remember. Yeah. Yeah, but it's so, some other but, yeah, character. Her 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 name is based after Yar and somebody else. And yeah, obviously Riker. Yeah. Um, so, so uh, yeah, our 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 family members have been growing in the in the relaunched universe. So is Riker? So Riker's Riker and uh, Troy's son is dead at this point. I'm gonna guess since well, I don't remember like the them mentioning from- him. The one in Picard, or well, Picard and in the um, well, 
Did they have him? He, 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 he's in the Picard books. Yeah, right. Right, and, that's different continuity. Okay. Okay, so in the Titan books, of which I've only read one. Right. Um, uh, there's only Tasha, apparently. Right. Yeah. Hmm. I think, okay. To my knowledge, they only had one kid. Okay. In the expanded universe. In, in the relaunch universe, yeah. Okay, right. Okay. And then it wasn't until Picard came, and he has a daughter and a son, and neither one of them are the ones in the relaunch universe books. Okay. Cool. Good I, to keep I have straight. not read Good all to keep the relaunch, straight. So I have not. I mean, there's only there's like 75 books set after Nemesis, and mm-hmm. uh, I've only read a handful of them. Right. It, it's hard to keep up. Yeah. But the ones I did read, I really enjoyed. I read, you know, where Data came back and stuff like that. So <laughs> the big events I had to, to dip my toes in and find out right. how that how they did that. Oh, Data's back! I got to read that. Right. Which I was surprised they never mentioned him at all. So I don't know where he is at this point in the um, relaunch universe. Because I guess he's not in Starfleet, or at least he wasn't in the books that I read where he came back. Mm-hmm. He's off doing his own thing with Law. <laughs> yeah, I remember one that was saying something about uh, not only Data, but before and Lal all being around at the same time. Uh, yeah. So I remember. I remember. Was that the comic book continuity that that had uh, Data's consci- consciousness loaded into B before? Um, right, and then he was captain of the Enterprise. Right, but right. That was the that was the IDW IDW countdown to the 2009 movie. Right. Okay. Okay. Ah, there's all just there's so many ways it's sliced and diced. It's just amazing. Right. Yeah. So in my head canon, that was always part of the relaunch continuity, but mm-hmm. but obviously it, it can't be. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So. Um, I just want to mention a few characters in here, in this book, uh, because there's a high body count. So there's a lot of people getting, you know, getting killed by these Davidians. Um, And some of them are, most of them are characters that are created in the expanded universe, which is now going away. So I guess them being killed off is like, I guess part of the objective of this whole exercise, but uh, but really by the end of the third book, who knows what we're going to be left with? Um, I guess we're going to be left with the Paramount Plus <laughs> status quo. But uh, anyway, so uh, I just want to mention a few of them, if I may. So uh, this is not this is not an expanded universe one, but the Guardian of Forever, as you mentioned, Donovan, and I think I did too in my synopsis. Um, the Guardian of Forever is destroyed. So, uh, it died. Uh, Dr. Tamala Harstead, who I think is human, and is Jordy's, uh, very strong girlfriend. I mean, they are really into each other. So, yeah, she dies. Um, Tarek, who is the assistant chief engineer of the Enterprise-E, who is a Vulcan with knowledge of the future. Um, I think I think we might have mentioned him before. 
um, a little bit in this episode. Um, he dies. And uh, Teresa Chen is a second contact specialist and half Vulcan, but she acts 100% human. And I guess she and Tarek have a, uh, a good friendship. Uh, and I know Tarek is really digging her, you know, really likes Teresa. Um, and uh, she dies. Um, the timeship relativity crew. Um, so, uh, Captain Duquesne, who apparently replaced at some point Captain Braxton, who was the captain of the relativity when we first became aware of that ship in Voyager. So, uh, apparently he died, (laughs) uh, uh, with his entire ship. Uh, first officer and science officer, uh, commander Ailier. Alier, I think I got that right. And she's a Romulan. Of course, she dies. Lieutenant Ferrati, operations officer, who's a Bolian, he dies. Um, I forgot the engineer's name, but there's an engineer in there. He dies. Um, Admiral Jonshen Ju Kravas, who apparently is an Andorian, and she was on the Tempest when it was destroyed, so she's dead. Um, and she's the head of the the head of the Temporal Integrity Commission. The, the Federation Temporal Integrity Commission. And of course, uh, unfortunately, and this, more people died, but these are like the people that really stood out for me. Um, uh, one of the, uh, Esri Dax, uh, Captain Esri Dax of the Aventine uh, dies. So that was one of the few like big, you know, existing characters that, that kicked the bucket. Who else kicked the bucket that I might have missed, Donovan? That stuck in your mind. Um, yeah, no, nah, I mean be- because most of them were were new to me. Yeah, it wasn't that. I hate to say it because, <laughs> but they it wasn't that big of an impact. It's just like, oh, okay, that person died. <laughs> <laughs> Never heard of him before, but okay, right. So, but it is funny because after I finished this book, I started uh, Headlong Flight, mm-hmm. which is uh, where the relaunch Picard meets up with the alternate Riker that ends up dying in this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's Captain Enterprise, Enterprise D. D mm-hmm. Right. So I went back and I started that book. And in that book, they mention, you know, all these characters are in that book. So mm-hmm. it's like, you know, they're talking about the, the, the budding love romance uh, between, you know, the, the Teresa and Tarek. Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, Oh, uh, they're not going to make it. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, if I would have read that book first, you yeah. know, their deaths would, would mean something more to me uh, than, than they did here. But, uh, but nah, the, the Dax one, in fact, I was just like, did I, did I miss something? You know, like, did she die or did she like get beamed away or, you know, cause it, cause it, 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 it talks about it from her point of view, you know, it's yes. like, you know, the thing comes and then everything starts turning white and yep. she can feel the Dax symbiote, like, you know, you know, the Dax symbiotic, uh, like, uh, felt it coming or whatever. Yep. And it's just like, and then it like all went to white. And then like the next page, it's just like, oh, she's, she's not, she's not there anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And her first officer, uh, takes over as captain and then right. has a big old, con- big old long conversation with Picard. Yeah. About whether he's worthy. Right. Exactly. 
And like, right. it's really amazing how many how many people became captains because their captain got killed. Right, because she she <laughs> herself became captain because uh, during the the Borg invasion. Mm-hmm. Uh, another died. one I did. Another one I did she... not read yet. But... Right, that's the the Des- Destiny trilogy, I think. Is it Destiny yeah. trilogy? Okay. But then there's that Typhon Expanse, which you know they bring up a lot here because mm-hmm. it's like time time is going in backwards or something in this one area of space. Yeah, uh, and and that's that's where the time ships were and the uh, when they all died from the Davidians. But right, uh, that that I assume is is because there's a Typhon packed uh, set of novels, so I'm assuming that that's mm-hmm. referenced there. But I don't know for sure. Yeah. I, I haven't read those. Like I said, kind of like what you said when you're reading comic books as a kid and you don't have access to all of them and you didn't have the internet where you could just go back and look it up. Mm-hmm. You know, you really had to kind of like piece it together yourself. You're like, okay, well, they said that, so that must mean this. You know, right. that, which which I'm really liking. It's bringing back fond memories of when I was a kid. Yeah, cool. When everything wasn't just spoon-fed to you. Right. Or you didn't have access to everything. Uh, exactly. You didn't have uh, memory alpha, memory beta. All right. these great sources, uh, but I, you know, in the end, I, I kind of really like having those. Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. When I finished the book, I was like, "All right, I got to go find out who these are," and, and that's how <laughs> I was like, oh, "Okay, yeah. the headlong headlong flight looks like the one where the writer oh, came from." Good. I'm going to go read that one, you know. Good. So, but yeah, but no, I can't think of anybody, any of the other big deaths that uh, that jumped out at me. Um, another character that I don't know whether it, I don't think he died, but. Um, there was a lot of stuff going on. Uh, Dr. Trop is a Denobulan. Right. Uh, who's se- like the second doc, second senior doctor on the Enterprise E. I don't think he dies. But, right. um, but he was an interesting character. Um, it was cool seeing a, a Denobulan again. Um, right. Uh, and doing the same thing. With the uh, weird smile. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> I think they do mention the, the the weird smile at one point in the book. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I don't know if you mentioned it in the synopsis, but Riker and the Titan, I know you mentioned the Riker's dreams on the Titan, mm-hmm. but Worf on the Enterprise is also having the same kind of dreams where he's dreaming of alternate alternate hymns and he's waking yep. up and he's like trying to figure it out. Was that a dream or a premonition or what? And And he does confide with the doctor and, the doctor tells him to let him know if it ever happens again. And then yeah. he does start having the dreams again, but he keeps it to himself. So I don't know if that's going to factor into the next book or not. I don't know. Uh, and, and Okay, so is Riker and Worf dreaming the same dimension's demise? I don't think so. It's, 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 well, it's hard I don't to tell. Know. Yeah, yeah. Because we, the Riker dream, you've got all kinds of de- – we have lots of details. Right, uh, but in the wharf dream, it's it's a little lo- lighter on details. Yeah, exactly. Um, so you know the ship's being attacked, and you know it's a dire situation, but you don't know the details much more than that. Right. At least I don't recall much detail, much more than that. Right. Yeah, because it doesn't have the resolution. It just right. He's like in the in the hallway, stepping mm-hmm. over bodies, getting yeah. ready to fight, and right. then he wakes up. You know yeah. that kind of thing. Whereas the Riker one, I think he actually saw the. Saw their ship being destroyed, right? Or uh, I think so. I mean, he yeah. was on the bridge and stuff, and it, like it sounded like he was almost standing. His his point of view was the same thing as 
the other Riker from that from that right. dimension. Right. Yeah, that's the way I that's the way I remember it. Right. And they go into all kinds of details. And when I when I realized they were redoing the Borg attack in First Contact, it was like, ah, cool. Okay. Which makes sense because that's a you know that was a big time travel thing. So yeah. It's like ah, I yeah. loved it. Loved it. Yeah, it all made sense, and it just cool seeing again, but uh, in this scenario without Picard. So, right again, um, he's the man, and he's on the D, not the E. So right. That's yeah, interesting. Yeah. And Tasha Yar is still alive. So there you go. That was also a, interesting. An alternate universe. It got me thinking. I was like, well, is Tasha Yar the reason why? Is because Worf was security chief in Best of Both Worlds the reason why they were able to save Picard in, in our universe? Or in this other universe, uh, Yar was chief of security and that's why they didn't get to save him? I don't know. It, it, it got me thinking, like, you know, it kind of makes Yar look bad as a security chief. <laughs> But you think it's security chief as much as, um, like, Data. Right. I mean, if Data wasn't there, or if Data did something different, they could have never gotten Picard back. Or, but, oh, I'm talking about the best of both worlds. Sure, yeah. Scenario in, right. in that universe. So, so how, so since Picard isn't around, you assume that Locutus was destroyed on the ship. Um... So that's why he's not around later for the first contact uh, thing. But, but why did they not save him? Your theory is Worf. Yeah. No, that's possible. I, I'm just, yeah, just throwing it out. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. And that's possible. Because what's Data. cool is that in the Headlong Flight book, which, like mm-hmm. I said, I did start it right after this, right. Um, it starts with them, like, on the Enterprise-D, and Data's about to have poker night. Mm-hmm. And they talk about, well, the captain might be coming with us. Uh, you know, and they're like, it's been nine months since he's been here. And I was thinking, well, Picard never went to poker night except mm-hmm. for like the last episode. So this mm-hmm. is this weird. When is this set? You know, because they're on the Enterprise D. Mm-hmm. And then you find out that, oh, Riker's the captain and it's nine months after Best of Both Worlds. And mm-hmm. I was just like, oh, this is interesting. Mm-hmm. So, so again, but. I'm reading them. I'm reading them out of order, but I'm still getting, I'm still getting a lot of enjoyment out of it. Good, yeah. Whenever I get around to those, I will. I will also. Whenever that is. Cool. So, are there? Uh, well, okay. I got. I just have one more thing to mention, and then I'm kind of done with things to say about the novel. Sure. Um. So towards the end, uh, Picard and the characters come to the conclusion that they may have to sacrifice their own reality or parts of it to defeat the to defeat the Davidians. Right. And then he talks about, uh, oh, he has so much to lose: his wife and his child, and blah blah blah. And it's like I'm 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 reading this. It's like, well, okay. So what? Why did? So what Picard seems to be saying is, you know, they may have to sacrifice their own entire reality or maybe parts of it to defeat the Davidians, which is like, well, how did he come down to, how did he come to that conclusion? I mean, uh, well, because I think because they feed off, because they talked about how the timeline sometimes uh, sway away from each other and then will come back. And, and meet up with themselves, uh, you know, and, and touch, touch another timeline later on, you know. So, 
I think that was their way of saying, you know, we, we had a book or something that was set and then another book came out later or another movie came out and kind of contradicted it. So we kind of retconned a little bit to say, I think that was what they were going for. And I thought, well, maybe Picard's talking about one of those like strands where it's, it's technically his life, but maybe slightly, slightly off. I don't know. Okay. Or he was just letting well, us, the reader know that this is the end. I, I, I just think the whole thing was very convenient. Right. Because, because basically the conclusion he's coming to is supporting the overall hypothesis, hypothesis of the, or purpose of the trilogy, which is to exactly do that, Picard. We're going to take your wife from you and your child from you, and we're going to reset you into the uh, Paramount Plus universe. Right. And it's like, but why is he coming to that conclusion? I mean, it's very convenient for what they got to get to eventually, but why is he coming to that conclusion? I mean, I just, I just thought it was kind of convenient, and I sure. just didn't see the logic that led him to that possibility. Right. Yeah. And what, what does it mean when he says part of my, part of my universe or whatever? Right. Yeah. I don't remember the exact words he used, but, but basically, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. No, good point. So, I mean, quite frankly, at this point, I mean, they have seen so much of the Davidian infrastructure and they realize more and more what they have done and they don't even know where the Davidians are exactly. Uh, and, and they've only been able to find and destroy, like, one hub. But there's supposedly many, many hubs scattered across the dimensions and timescape. So it's like, wow. This is hard. This this is hard. So, anyway. It should be very interesting to see how it, how, how it all resolves right. in the third book. Yeah. And, and I hope we get some more, uh, you know, nods to... You know, maybe even the Kelvin universe or the Paramount Plus universe itself. Oh, yeah, maybe. Um, I can say that there is definitely a lot more Deep Space Nine characters seen in the second book. So I think you will see a lot more nods to Deep Space Nine characters. Yeah, good. I, well, we will. And I don't think that's a spoiler, but... No, no. Yeah, you knew that they were all going to get... Yeah, and, and I do like some of the people there, at least so far, that they they're focusing on. Right. Although that immediately makes me wonder, well, why didn't you focus on these characters? Well, there's just so much time in a book. Exactly. And, and, right. and I'm only like, like maybe a quarter in. Some of those other characters that we haven't seen yet, they may be later in the book from yeah. Space Nine. And they did mention, um, they mentioned Belana Torres and uh, Paris. Yeah. They're, they're part of the uh, They're like consultants or, or something. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so the temporal, uh, what the temporal, the, the temporal division? No, that's not right. Uh, the Bureau of uh, Temporal Affairs, or something like that. Uh, yeah, something like that. Yeah, right. So, which they do have a whole novel series on their own. So mm-hmm. <laughs> they've been milking the the Star Trek franchise and all these books, which which is great for people who are following it. So, oh, so so there are novels that focus on the uh, on the temporal, the time cops, basically. Yeah, exactly. Oh, there's quite a few of them. Oh, oh, okay. Which I assume when when they were talking about uh, Paris and Bellana being there, I, I kind of thought that oh, that must be a reference to those books. Oh, interesting. Well, yeah, it was good seeing those two, um, but kind of in an interesting capacity, right? Uh, as quote consultants or something. 
so they weren't normally part of, you know, the the temporal group or whatever. Yeah, yeah, they were they were in it very little. Yeah, but maybe after this, well, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I'm that was an interesting scene. You know, they'll have to bring Voyager. They'll have to. They'll probably make a reference to the New Frontier books. I mean, mm-hmm. there's a lot of a lot of other book series that they're going to have to, you know, at least give a nod to in these next two books. Well, you mentioned um, Calhoun. Right. Which is uh, a really cool series of books by Peter David and, and very cool characters and things and very, sto- very great stories. But um, it should be interesting to see if they bring any of those characters back. Because most right. of them were new and unique to that, to that storyline, except for what's that blonde um, commander? Uh, oh man, what is her name? I, I don't know, but she she was in Best of Both Worlds. Yeah, uh, she was the one gunning for Riker's job, um, uh-huh. and she's very heavily involved in in that series. Oh yeah, yeah, um, it was cool seeing her in Lower Decks. Oh. Okay, yes, right. But anyway, so it's going to be interesting to see if they do tap some of those characters that are nothing to do with the the video uh, franchises. Right. And, uh... Right, but since they're wrapped... And, and that's another thing. I mean, even though they wrap up this universe and, you know, basically say everything going forward is set in the Paramount Plus universe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um even if they do that, they could kind of do what Star Wars did, and you know they they did the line in the sand. Nothing, nothing after this point, mm-hmm. or anything before that point doesn't count. Yeah. But since then, they've brought in characters that were introduced in the books into Star Wars again, right? So yeah. like Grand Admiral Thrawn, he was created for what's now called the Legends timeline, mm-hmm. and after the reboot, they did bring him back in, right? So and he's shown up in books and. Uh, the TV shows, right? Well, he, Thrawn. He was... Thrawn. Right, Thrawn. Okay. Grand, Grand Admiral Thrawn. Have Which... we seen... We haven't seen him in... Okay, so, in, so, so the, in some the of the animated Rebels ones. Show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so some and, of the animated ones, he was in there. Okay, Yeah, fine. and it's heavily... He was not in The Mandalorian yet. He wasn't in The Mandalorian, okay. but they did kind of mention him because Ahsoka... That's who Ahsoka was trying to find and uh, when she was, was talking to uh, Moff Gideon that she wanted... Okay. She wanted to know where he was. That was the he that she was talking about. Oh, okay, got it. Because, because okay. uh, yeah, well, that's that's the whole thing about rebels. <laughs> yeah. But anyways, but in the Star, the Disney universe, they were able to bring in you know tidbits of the old stuff and kind of make it new into mm-hmm. the the new timeline. Yeah. And I'm hoping that you know with this Paramount Plus timeline, they could start kind of doing that too. You know, it reintroduced Calhoun, but mm-hmm. in the Paramount Plus timeline, you know. Um, and Peter David kind of already cheekily did it is that, you know, once they did the relaunch and said everything after this point is set up in the relaunch universe, he came out with a book called, um, before dishonor. And in that he referenced another book he did set in the old timeline. So kind of retroactively, he, he pulled his book, his older book into the, the relaunch timeline just by, <laughs> you know, saying, Oh by yeah, those events, it. those events did happen. And, you know, we did fight the Borg and, with the planet killer kind of mm-hmm. thing, you know, and it's just like, <laughs> that was, that was kind of cheeky how you did that. <laughs> <laughs> well, apparently his editor didn't, uh, remove it. So, right. 
And even in that uh, headlong flight, they reference it. So it's just like, oh hmm. no, that's 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 canon now. That's that's relaunch canon, you know. Even though it probably wasn't supposed to be. So yeah, so I'm I'm hoping that once the dust settles with this Coda thing, that they can start picking and choosing and bringing in some some characters that are extended universe only characters and mm-hmm. bring it back in. But Me we'll too. see. Me too. Wide open. Well, shoot, they might show up in Prodigy or something because that character, uh, the girl character, the rock creature, I mm-hmm. mean, she's the character that was, she's a species that was introduced in those New Frontier books. So she's never been on, that, that species has never been in anything other than books. Hmm. So it's kind of cool that, you know, they they now have it as part of uh, the new the new timelines. It's kind of cool. Kind of the tail, tail wagging the dog kind of thing. Right. Well, definitely a lot of I think a lot of the um, the Star Trek shows have learned you don't you don't want to think so high and mighty of your of your new production crew that they can go ahead and just ignore what's happened before and oh these new these new characters are so great you're gonna forget about Luke and Leia and whatever not not that I'm trying to reference the the reboot Star Wars movies. Right. Um, but um, that's, yeah, you got to have some callbacks to where, you, where the story came from. I mean, this is Star Trek. So I think it's great that they have so many callbacks to uh, existing things and that at least some of the Paramount Plus producers are getting, you know, getting the idea and having some of the, the, the characters brought in that, that fans know and love. Right. E- even yeah. some of the more ex- obscure ones. Right. I mean, it probably helps that Kristen Bear, who's, you know, huge in the novels. Mm -hmm. I mean, she's written quite a few of the relaunch books Mm -hmm. is the, you know, the head writer for Picard and Discovery. So. Well, is she the head writer for both? Uh, Well, I know she's written both. Yeah. I I don't know. I I think she was the head writer for Discovery in the beginning and then now she's Picard. So. Okay. I don't know. I don't know how it works. Nah. I just know that she has her fingers in the pie. I know she's a writer and a producer. Yeah. And pretty high up there, which is great. She has her fingers in the pie, and she's, you know, really well-versed in the extended universe stuff. There you go. Yeah. And uh, multiple books I really enjoyed. She had a really good one that I enjoyed uh, that was about uh, Una, number one, from, uh, from Pike's Enterprise. Oh, that's cool. So that was pretty cool. Yeah, and it's cool that they brought that name in. That's now canon. That that uh, number one's name is Una, mm-hmm. which before that was only in the books. Yeah, yeah. And why not? She got to have a name, right? Right. Why not use that one? Yeah, and Una being one is mm-hmm. pretty funny. That's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or uh, Una or Uno or. <laughs> so uh, are we? Are we doing uh, book two next episode? Because we don't have enough uh, next. We don't have enough uh, of the Mirror War yet to do a comic book. Episode. Yeah, there, let's do Coda two. So this will be our first uh, episode of twenty twenty two, at least recording. Oh yeah, you're right. Exactly. The so. future. The future. Yes. So uh, anybody listening, um, we're. We're going to try to, as we always say this, 
uh, <laughs> we're trying to... I, I'm looking forward to finishing the editing so that all the episodes up to the claiming victory we can get out there and uh published you know uploaded available right. yeah yeah cause we've because heard, we got we got like uh, like 10 or 11 don't we that we still haven't done yet uh yeah all right well thank you everybody for listening and uh we'll be back uh, in a couple of weeks to to finish another book thanks for joining us see you in the future bye Thank you for listening to Star Trek Comic Book Review. All Star Trek stories and characters are copyrighted CBS Studios Incorporated. All music, stories, and characters discussed are for entertainment purposes only. You can email us at startcomicbookreview at gmail.com. Visit us at our website, www.stcomicbookreview.com. Subscribe to us via iTunes. Or friend us on Facebook at first name, ST Comic, second name, Book Review. See you next time on Star Trek Comic Book Review. Let's get the hell out of here.